Welcome everyone to BFJN's Let's Talk Faith and Justice podcast. I know you all aren't typically used to hearing my voice um, as Elizabeth, our executive director, is usually gearing up our intros, but I'm so thankful to be here today as the assistant executive director with our lovely Maeve. I don't like calling her intern because she adds... (laughs) such more value than that. Um, And today is actually Elizabeth's birthday, although, you know, we're recording it on July 11th. It will air in a few weeks, Um, but it is Elizabeth's birthday. And so we're thankful that she has today off and is able to enjoy her day in the summer, um, which is what Maeve and I are going to kind of talk about today being, you know, summer, times of transition and fellowship. So, How's your summer going thus far, Maeve? Yeah, my summer has been good. I am home right now in Fairlawn, New Jersey, which is pretty close outside of New York City. And I have been really thankful to have time with family. I was visiting my fiance's family out in Illinois for the first time. I got to meet all of them, which was really wonderful. And then I went down to South Carolina with my grandparents to help them out and see my uncle down there. So I have been taking time this summer to just enjoy being with my family. I have, I live with my parents and my two brothers, and I have an aunt and uncle and my little cousins who live in the same town, as well as all of my grandparents. So I usually work another part-time job in addition to BFJM, but I decided not to do that this summer because I wanted to be just present with my family and with friends in the area. And it's been a busy season for everyone. I mean, my brother, as some of you may have heard from an uncomfortable conversation like a year ago at this point, he has a lot of physical and mental disabilities. And so there's a lot happening with him. We have nursing all the time at the house. So helping out whenever there aren't nurses because there's been a shortage. So being home to care for him and give my parents a break and also just being around for my grandparents as they are getting older and my grandma struggles with dementia. So just being present for everyone here. And that has been, I felt very called to be serving at home this summer. So it's been a good summer. It's been busy and I'm looking forward to the month that I have left at home. Yes, that's awesome. I greatly appreciate the summer for various different reasons, not just the weather, but there are some things that, you know, speed up and having the time to also slow down and be with family and enjoy, you know, the world around us. I'm so happy that you got opportunity to travel. Um, I too myself am getting back into the swing of things as I got married last month um, and was on a honeymoon for about two weeks in Mexico. And so I'm trying to get back in some reality and descend a little bit off of cloud nine. Um, but just so thankful um, for, you know, the summer months, being able to have cookouts and things like that. Um, but also, you know, the fellowship, one of the things that was just so beautiful as a part of our, you know, wedding, having both of the families to becoming one and having the time to just be with family. And, um, you know, it was actually the first time ever that all of my father's children were together in one place. Um, So that was a beautiful experience um, when you think about fellowship and community. And as you know, Maeve and I were talking about earlier, we also are gearing up this week for our MICA 6-8 weekend in partnership with 
High Rock Church, which will be our largest MICA experience, where we're working with about 60-ish young people from their youth group at the High Rock Church in Arlington. And so we have opportunities for the youth and young adults to serve in various different areas, um, which is something that we're looking forward to. And the partner that you'll be hearing from um, later in the podcast interview with Elizabeth is actually an organization where we will be serving um, this coming weekend, the Jasmine Grace Outreach Organization and their Bags of Hope Initiative. Um, but also being able to serve um, with other organizations such as Cradles to Crayons and Community Harvest Project, also Straight Ahead Ministries, which I'm very thankful to be um, spotlighted as one of those partners and get to collaborate um, two of my hats into one, (laughs) um, which will be very exciting. We're also working with Miracle Mile and many other organizations, um, which I'm thankful for. Yeah. Awesome. And so we are excited for you to tune into this podcast episode, which will be featured with Jasmine, the founder and director of Jasmine Grace Outreach, and also Anita, who leads the Massachusetts chapter and serves as an outreach worker. So we hope you enjoy and we'll talk with you soon. Okay. So I'm here with Anita and Jasmine of Jasmine Grace Ministries. I am Really sincerely excited um, to have this conversation with these two women and share this with you guys in our community. I'm really looking forward to them telling their stories and us learning more about what Jasmine Grace Ministries is up to. So I'm going to invite them to introduce themselves in a minute, but I just want to share that this is a ministry that Boston Faith and Justice has been connected to almost since I started, I think, um, with our our service weekends, Bags of Hope, which is a ministry of Jasmine Grace. has been such a wonderful partner and has consistently been named as like one of the best experiences out of our weekends. Um, And we can talk a little bit more about what that specific experience looks like, but I just want to say I've always been so thankful for the work you guys do generally and the ways in which you partner with us to just um, allow people to see and understand something that they might not um, otherwise be able to, and to engage in a way that's so accessible. We really appreciate it. That's one of the ministries that we can invite families into and pack the bags. And, and it's always just such a really great experience. And so we're just really thankful to have been um, connected to you guys for so long. And we're really excited for the things you guys have going on right now and to share those with our community too. So let me invite you guys to just introduce yourselves and share whatever it is you want to share. And then we'll get going into the conversation. Um, Anita? Okay. Hi, um, my name is Anita Kuna. I am the director of um, the outreach part of Jasmine Grace Outreach. Um, I do the outreach in Boston. Um, and what that means is I coordinate all of the um, donations that come in, the bags of hopes that go out, the bags of hope parties where people come together and um, put the bags together. Um, I coordinate all of that. Um, the commitments that the women do, we have a, a team of women of survivors and women in long-term recovery that go around to different halfway houses, detoxes, um, you know, needle exchanges, people on the street. We just share our stories, let them know what we do, how we got to where we are today. Um, so that's exciting. Um, I do mentorship and I'm addictions recovery coach. Um, I do all of the admin stuff for Jasmine Grace Outreach. Um, well, Jasmine and I partner with that, but like that's the main reason why she hired me all those years ago <laughs> was to do the admin stuff. Um, so we, I do that. Um, yeah, I can't think of anything else on my list of things to do at the moment. 
but that's a lot. That's, yeah. that's a lot. Yeah. I was going to say that that feels like a, a good job right there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And Jasmine. Yeah. Hey, so I'm Jasmine of Jasmine Greats Outreach, um, the executive director, founder of the ministry um, and doing the work in anti-trafficking movement, I think since about 2012-ish. Um, when I realized that I was a survivor of the commercial sex trade, I, I didn't know for uh, five years into recovery from substance use that I was actually trafficked because I was so brainwashed and manipulated and coerced into the commercial sex trade by a trafficker who played that boyfriend role um, that it took me a long time to identify and a long time to heal, which was a messy process. But once I did, uh, really felt led to go back out to the streets, to the women um, that have substance use histories and vulnerabilities and let them know, hey, if I'm a survivor and if I can get off the streets and get clean and sober, maybe you can too. And I just started making the bags filled with toiletries, soap, shampoo, conditioner, toothpaste, because I knew uh, what a practical way that could reach them and put a little love note or encouraging note in there to let them know that they were loved and there was a better way. Some local resources to churches and like the National Human Trafficking Hotline phone number and just started spreading awareness, getting asked to share my story, um, realized that there was a lot of power in my story, that it was bringing um, people, making people aware of the issue, first of all. Second of all, many women in the church share my story, but they won't talk about it because of the shame and the stigma. Uh, never mind the women that are out on the streets. Uh, once they get into recovery, realizing, wow, that happened to me too, right? And it stops that cycle of shame and starts that process of healing. And so, yeah, just been empowered to do that over all these years. And um, now we're getting ready to have another um, arm of the ministry, which is opening up a residential home for women and their children under 10 years old in New Hampshire. Um, we've been blessed with the opportunity to rent a 17 bedroom home on 15 acres uh, for a dollar a month, which is pretty um, amazing partnership with a, a couple who purchased this home. It was a Catholic retreat center, a convent from the eighties. And when the sisters sold it, <clears throat> Um, the owners wanted to partner with the ministry and just bless them and not really do the running of the ministry, but um, be available, you know, to do work days or just in the background kind of stuff. So, yeah, so we have to raise funds to do that work. Um, it, it raises our threshold fundraising uh, pretty significantly. We've, you know, doing the outreach and serving the survivors and the women, you know, for all these years um, has been, you know, pretty manageable and the Lord has been faithful, of course, um, but now really upping it to, you know, hundreds of thousands uh, freaks me out. And I feel completely um, underqualified, but I, I'm learning that the Lord has paved the way. And all I really need to do is just show up and uh, be faithful to what he's called me to do. And he really, truly does the rest. So all that to say, that's who I am. That's what we do. Um, and yeah, I'm so grateful to be here and um, be a part of this podcast. So thanks. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Um, and yeah, there's a lot there that I want to follow up on, but I just want to commiserate and say, as an executive director of a small nonprofit, like I absolutely feel you. That was one of the first things I thought about after my joy at the fact that you guys were doing moving forward in this thing that I know had been in your hearts and minds for so long was wow, that's a that's a really big. Um, my pastor would call it a god sized room that. Mm -hmm you know, that stepping out into that is, is just going to be, the Lord's going to have to be covering that and going before you. So yeah, I absolutely feel that. And we'll definitely share ways for our community to partner with you um, as we post this, because I know there are a lot of people who want to support what you're doing, even as they learn about it for the first time here, or are people who have, you know, been 
following along for a long time. So it's great to hear the stories. Um, so Anita, I just want to ask you, you, you mentioned the bags first, you guys both mentioned the bags, cause that's obviously a big part of what you do. Will you just explain a little bit about how that, um, how, how you, how you guys currently utilize that ministry? Like, what does that look like? Um, the bags of hope piece. Yeah. So the bags are just a practical way for us to connect with the women, right? Um, like, they come, we meet them, they're coming out of jails, they're living on the streets, they're getting into halfway houses and they really have nothing. Like the basic things that we take for granted every day, they don't have shampoo, conditioner, soap, toothpaste. Um, we give them nail polish to like so they can feel pretty, you know, um, soap and all the things. Um, and, you know, to get that bag, the women, they just love it. And they just start to break down. And like, that is our are in to them, right? We can start building a relationship with them from that bag. Um, And when Jasmine started it, I wasn't with her then, but like people just loved it and they wanted to give and they just started to give money and products and all of the things. And um, we haven't really had to buy a single product all these years. Um, But people just give, they just want to help and and give back to the women. Um, So they do that. Um, We give about a giveaway about a thousand bags a year. Um, the women love the note card. That's one of the, I have women that come up to me years later and tell me that they still have their note card that they got in that bag, whether it says you are treasured or you are loved, or, you know, we're praying for you. Like it was, it was impactful for them. So when people host bags of whole parties, I love to bring the women, um, so they can share how they've gotten a bag because I feel like that's impactful for the people. They finally can put a face to someone that's actually getting the bag that they're making. It's so powerful. Um, and the, yeah, so that's, that's the impact the bags have on the women. And, um, and then they want to join, they want to come alongside us. They want to do this. They want to give back to the other women that they know that are out on the streets. And that's amazing. Um, and little by slow, we minister to them and we tell them about Jesus and all the things I bring them to church. <laughs> um, you know, um, Jasmine's hosting her first Bible study with so many women, um, this summer, it's amazing. We're doing it over zoom. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's how, that's the impact the bags have on, on the women. They're, they're super powerful. Um, yeah. Yeah. I will say when we've done bags of hope, as you know, with, um, youth groups and or all church groups that I've hosted, Mm -hmm. you guys have been a consistent partner. And, um, again, it's such a powerful experience because primarily of the survivors who come and share their stories with such power and vulnerability and strength. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's so amazing to see. And again, we've done it with families and young kids. So it gets, you know, crafted in a way that is appropriate at different age groups. I've done it with youth groups, but um, regardless, there's still so much power in it. And I think that just really resonates with people. And then the ability to do something practical, um, to put these bags together. And also for people who come from, you know, different levels of privilege to realize like, I, this is shampoo. Like I've probably literally never thought about not having shampoo or soap. And so I think that adds another layer of just deepening understanding of an issue that can be on the periphery at best for some people who just never have to look at. And the women, um, most of the women that get a bag are just completely amazed that there are people out there that want to make the bags for someone that they don't even know. Um, so to bring them also is a blessing for them so they can see that people want to help them and give them thing without anything in return, because a lot of their life is transactional. Right. Um, so they get to meet these people who want to make these bags, um, just because they want to help and the women are just blown away by that. So yeah, really, 
it really shows Christ's love in a tangible yeah. way. At least these women aren't used to that loving people for like, you know, people who don't want a transaction, there's nothing in return. So it really speaks volume when um, Christians treat women in such a way that shows Jesus to them. Like mm-hmm. that's essentially what the bag does. Um, once they get to know us and then if they come to the event, they look at the sea of people, you know, or like the small group of people and they're like, wow, this is what Jesus does. Like, this is how Jesus is. Like he loves, like um, it's so tangible. And I can even say in my own journey, like when I became a Christian, I didn't know um, the reason how I figured out who Jesus was in the beginning was by the way the women loved me in the church. Um, as I reflected, I thought, wow, and the men were appropriate. There was no nothing to be exchanged. Their husbands, you know, they were appropriate, respectable men and even the single men. And then the women just took me under their wing, right? And I think of Jesus, you know, God is our refuge. You know, we we hide under the shelter and the shadow of his wing. You know, like it really is a true statement um, when you cover and you, you protect in that sense or provide a basic need. Um, you have no idea the volumes that it speaks to someone who's been used and abused, you know, or traumatized. It feels very safe. And at first, very odd because we're not used it's to people. Super uncomfortable. Yeah. 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 So when are you used to people loving us for no reason? And it, it is very weird and hard at first, but you just, you lean in and it gets better over time. Yep. And the, the, um, our bags of hope event that we have every year, we try to invite, um, because it just gets bigger every year. So we try to invite the local halfway houses in the area, um, to come and, and so the women can see on a much bigger scale, right. The love of Jesus, the, when they come together and, make those 300 bags. Um, it's just, it's unbelievable. It's like my, it's my favorite. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and, and so talking about the women who receive these bags and, and who participate in all these other different aspects of your ministry, what are the experiences? And I mean, you've, you've kind of referenced them in a way that's, that's really helpful and powerful. Um, Jasmine, just by this, the, I think you said it too, we needed this, this idea of being transactional. So I guess what, what don't people maybe know or understand about um, some of what goes on that that these women are experiencing that maybe would be helpful to know in order to understand your ministry better? Like, what does what does a woman look like? And I don't mean physically. Um, who who comes through your ministry? Yeah, she has a boatload of trauma. Let's put it that way. Um, and not all of them are survivors of exploitation. Um, not all of them are survivors of trafficking. Um, a lot of them just have a lot of sexual brokenness, childhood sexual abuse. If you're not familiar with the ACE score, adverse childhood experience, I think that is something practical and good for everyone to know and to Google and research even on for their own ACE score, as a matter of fact. Um, but they have high, high ACE scores usually, right? The higher your ACE score, the more traumatic your childhood was. So they, they just come with a story, right? Like we all have stories, right? Um, but some of their stories are heartbreaking, sometimes even unbelievable in a sense where like, no way this happened to you. Like, I know it did, but I didn't know how evil the world world is. You know what I mean? Like you're just sometimes blown away, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it just makes you press into the Lord even more in prayer and so forth. But um, the, the, the big majority of the women we serve do have commercial sexual exploitation histories, but we just have to kind of I don't want to say dig in a, in, a, in a negative sense, but, you know, walk alongside for a while, a little bit, sometimes to get them to self-identify in a way. 
where they can understand really what happened to them because it's been so ingrained or normalized um, or manipulated to make them believe they chose it or because they didn't have a pimp like I did, that they're not victims or survivors. So it takes some time of building a relationship and um, really just walking alongside and dispelling the lies <laughs> that the world and um, the enemy and our, you know, themselves have told. So yeah, I, I, I think that maybe explains it, Anita, if you want to add anything. Um, I think that it just gets messy, um, especially the women who have been um, trafficked or prostituted because they come with an added level of trauma and then an, also an addiction to money. Um, so trying to get them out of that mindset is is really difficult. Um, but all in all, um, they're, they're all survivors of something, right? Whether it's trafficking, prostitution, abuse, domestic violence, Um and I love that we have a diverse enough team that can relate to whoever comes through our, through our doors, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. That's great. Thank you. And I just want to dig down on a word that I think some people maybe don't understand. I want to make sure we're being clear and providing knowledge. When you say trafficked, what does that mean? Yeah. That somebody has benefited monetarily mostly. It can be other ways too, but they're benefiting off of the commercial exploitation of another, right? Um, So for example, it can be, I've heard stories from women who their own mothers actually were their own traffic, were their first traffickers in the sense of they didn't receive maybe money for the daughter, but she traded her for drugs, right? So that's commercial sexual exploitation. I have a drug habit. I need to get that. So I'm going to give you my little girl so I can get high. Right. And that's exploitation. Um, And then you have legit traffickers, you know, who are coercing or manipulating or forcing you into the commercial sex trade. And then in exchange, receiving money for it um, or other goods. But then you also have like survival sex, right? Where a young girl or boy is out there running away from whatever abuse or trauma and they find a place to stay and the person allows them to sleep on their couch. But now it's been a few weeks and there has to be an exchange in order for you to continue to stay here. So that falls under the same category too. Um, So anything you've had to exchange yourself for, you know, food, shelter, money, or drugs that falls under the commercial sexual exploitation um, but then when someone actually is benefiting from that, that would be the considered the trafficking part. Okay. Thank you. That That's helpful to understand the language. Um, and so I would love to shift us a little to talk more specifically about what you guys are doing and the different ministries you have, because I know you've kind of alluded to them in, in amidst this whole conversation, but I just want to help people to understand more clearly what it is you guys are doing and have historically done, which obviously we touched on the bags, and then also sort of this new stage that you're going into and talk talk about the house. So however you want to walk us through that, we just, I would just love for people to have a good understanding about all of the different ways you are ministering um, and doing this work. Yeah. So we, we, you know, it was bags, I hope, when we started, right? Because people were asking me, what's the ministry's name? And I said, Back the hope because it's just a bag <laughs> full of hope. I don't know. You know, I, I didn't have to think too hard and it was just simple. And then as we grew and Anita came on um, and I was able to do more and running the groups and then started public speaking, 
I mean, I've done everything from, you know, halfway houses, middle schools, all the way to like the United Nations. Like there's been amazing opportunities of training healthcare and law enforcement. So there's like a whole speaking arm of it too, you know, training churches and, and sharing the testimony at churches. So we have that bags of hope outreach arm where we're actually meeting the needs of the women. And then Anita explained how we walk alongside mentor, et cetera, disciple. Then we have the speaking arm where we go and speak and share all over the place and tailor that to whatever audience we need to. And then we have the home, which just recently became um, a part of the ministry about, I'd say six months, maybe a year in the making. Um, And we were calling the home Living Hope Farms. Um, And it's my dream. You know, I have these big visions and dreams and I'm so blessed to have a great team to help me get it down to the practical um, where we're going to have a real working farm on the property with um, chickens, just because you need chickens when you live in the in, in New Hampshire, <laughs> and um, uh, with you know fresh eggs, like I, I I would love to have like a you know um, a farm stand like at the corner of the house, you know something like that. Like we have a garden, right? We're doing vegetables and herbs and the chickens. Um, but then we're gonna have goats, right? So this is my main priority is to have goats, and um, we're going to get the the milk from the goats and make goat lotions and goat soap. So the name of the the, the business aspect of that is or you could call it a social enterprise as some do, um, is going to be called Hope Milk and Honey. And we're, we're incorporating honeybees into the process as well. And we, we want the women to be able to make products, you know, work on the farm, work with their hands, work with the animals, manufacture, learn how to label and et cetera. And then online marketing and events, you know, where we go to and sell the products um, as a way to empower and to employ. Because that's the other thing we do as a ministry when we're walking alongside and discipling women, when they um, come to realization that they're survivors and they want to get more involved, you know, we give opportunities to go to um, a survivor leadership school or academy um, and develop those survivor leadership skills. So a lot of the women we pay to go share their stories, right? We don't want to re-exploit anyone. So they run groups for us, they do their stories and we pay them as a way to empower and employ. But I would really love to employ um, more women that come through the house because they'll live there and make the products themselves and um, be able to do that. So you can stay at the farm, at the, the property for up to two years free of charge. People may be familiar with Thistle Farms down mm-hmm. in Nashville, Tennessee, and it's also like a national organization. You can become a sister program with them and receive support and um why reinvent the wheel when they can send you all of their phases and documents, et cetera. So we've um, partnered with them in that sense. And then you tweak the program to work for you in, in you know, a particular area. So the women can stay for up to two years, free of charge, go through our three phases, excuse me, four phases, um, and they can have children under 10 years old. We, that's a real barrier to leaving the commercial sex trade is having children. Some of them stay in those cycles longer because they don't have good, adequate, safe housing. And they know it's even harder to get well and to be in recovery with a child alone, right? When you're, oh my gosh, like these programs, um, really, when you see the women in there that are pregnant or have these little babies and they're just trying to get well and put one foot in front of the other one day at a time, they really need to do that in a good, safe, supportive community of women who are all trying to do the same thing. Mm. Right. So we're trying to create that sisterhood, that community. Um, yeah. And just support these women as much as we can and then stay connected even as they move on and graduate. You know, they're not clients. 
<laughs> they're, they're, you know, hopefully becoming sisters in Christ. You know, that is the point, obviously, to point them to the Lord and, and disciple it as they come to, to know Jesus as their savior um, and really just stay connected forever. Like one woman that's on our team that we've been walking alongside, right, Anita, for about six years, like she just got married mm. and we were all at her wedding and we we're all crying. It was like the most beautiful yeah. thing to witness her coming to Christ and then giving getting married and um yeah I mean best friends and, and sisters in Christ like forever the team that really we are trying to um extend because you don't just walk away you know and like we answer the phone at 10 p.m at midnight whenever we need to um because that's what you do when you do ministry right we you don't work I mean I know there has to be boundaries of course but we don't work just nine to five right it's it's an all-in thing and um yeah so if that gives a little bit more of a picture. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, it's that's just so amazing, all of the things. And I just really love you guys have such a heart for it. I mean, I think practically what you do is like it makes so much sense and it's strategic and it's like it's such a good plan to address the needs you're trying to address, but it's really the passion that you have for it, for what you're doing and for the women that you're connecting with that just um yeah, it's just really powerful. Anita, did you want to add anything about um any of the programs that we didn't touch on or, or something? Um, no, I think Jasmine did a great job. Um, the groups and all of the things. Yeah. I think she did a good job. Okay. Agreed. Um, okay. So then the last thing I'd love for you guys to share with us is just how people can partner with what you're doing. Again, I feel like we've alluded to some things, but maybe some really specific, if there's more specific ways or some general ways and, and obviously like how we can be lifting you up in prayer as well. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so really, did you want to tell them recently our switch? Oh yeah. So we, we were, um, for a long time under the Emmanuel gospel center, um, which, you know, Jasmine was from the beginning and they were great and wonderful. Um, and we loved them. Um, but recently we had come under, we left EGC, um, to come under the, uh, cause, which is out of Oregon, California, yeah. California. Yeah. And they're also great and amazing. Um, they just offer a little bit more support, um, around what we do and, um, yeah, we we're getting to know them and we like them a lot. I just went on their partner retreat not too long ago, which was great. Um, we were in Texas for that. Um, so yeah, we came under them. Um, Jasmine and I are obviously homegrown missionaries. Like we raise our own funds for the ministry. Um, so we really need financial support, um, not just for our salaries, but for the home and the outreach and all of the things. Um, if they want to help in a more if they can't help financially, but want to help in a more practical way of hosting a bag of hope party. Um, I can send you information on how they would do that. If they want to just, you know, get the donations, make the bags themselves, have us come out or just do a donation drive. Like they can reach out to us and we, I can give them all that information. Um, we always need prayer. We always need to be covered in prayer. So much prayer. Um, just this last month, like <laughs> the spiritual warfare was like, off the charts. Um, so we always need to be covered in prayer. Um, yeah. And I can't think of anything else at the moment, Jazz. What did I miss? I don't think you missed anything. My six-year-old interrupted me. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, we have a new fiscal sponsor, the cause they're wonderful. So if anyone wants to donate through there, they can, um, maybe you can share our information in the notes. I'll give you the link directly to their page. And yeah, keep us in your prayers and the women that we serve in your prayers for sure. It's not easy work. And we 
don't want to grow weary in doing good. You know, um, I homeschool a few young kids, you know, I, I have five kids and it's just a lot on the, on the plate, but, uh, I feel like the Lord strengthens me and, and just gives me what I need in this season. So I'm grateful. Yeah. Well, that's great. We will definitely share links to your website so people can, you know, learn more about you and also find that donation button, um, to support your ongoing work and especially the house as that's a new kind of large need that's looming. And I can personally attest to, again, I have over and over in this very podcast, but how meaningful the bags of a hope bags of hope events are um, and just how powerful that can be for a community, whether it's your church or a small group or something. It's just really special to be able to come alongside in that way because it it kind of marries that practical stuff. People love to do practical things when you're like, no, just donate money. <laughs> you're like, what, what practical thing can I do? And that's great too. Um, so it marries that with also just this ability to sit as learners um, and to be in that posture rather than like, here's what I have to be. It's a, it's a, there's a reciprocity to it that I really appreciate. Um, so it's like, we bring this and you bring this and we kind of meet together because we're all, we have Jesus in common and we have this desire to do good in common. And, and it, it just really does that in a way, like this is kind of what I do is connecting people with service work. Right. And I just, you guys have really found a great way to create that spirit of reciprocity so that people can understand that we bring things and other people bring things, even people that you might judge for various reasons because of your limited experience. And so I really appreciate the way you guys do that. Just want to reiterate that. And we're so grateful for you. So faithful to us, like every single year, if I don't even know how many years, we're, we're just so grateful. Thank you for keeping us on your heart and in your prayers and all of the things. Yeah. It's awesome. Again, it's, it, I don't want to say my pleasure sounds weird, but you guys have had a profound impact on the way I do ministry. And I really, really do enjoy being able to connect people with what you do because it's just so important and powerful. And like I said, the way you guys are doing it is just, it's so loving and just good that um, whatever I can do to be of help. So I'm I'm really thankful for the ongoing connection. Thank and you. again, I appreciate you guys taking the time. I know that especially in the season, you're very, very busy. So it's just wonderful being able to chat with you and to then capture this conversation for our community. And I look forward to um, more collaboration in the future. So thank you both for coming coming well we came to zoom it's like a, a vestige of in person yeah. thing. thank you for coming to your computer um is there anything that we missed or you want to make sure that we um share before we before we end our time i guess if people just want to follow us on social media um jasmine grace outreach and then we have a new living hope farms instagram page oh, you can great. visit um the website and sign up for our newsletter that's a really good way to stay connected and we have some volunteer days coming up at the property. It's a, it's a large property and we'll, we'll need help as things move forward. So if you're interested in that, it is in New Hampshire, um, probably about two hours from Boston. So I know it's a hike, but if, if you're dedicated and you want to come up for the day in the country, <laughs> come see us. Yeah. We'll feed you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Definitely. Those are some great things. Well, thank you both very much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.